You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. Week six in the books. Patriots are a 6-0 and franchise. There's one of two teams left in the entire NFL that are undefeated with a 35-14 victory over the New York Giants. Here to break it all down with the game and all things that were in the NFL in week six. Psyched to do it with you, Rich Hill. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. Another day, another victory for the Patriots. This has been one of the the nicest, most relaxing seasons I can think of. You know, there there hasn't been uh, too much competition through this point in this year. Patriots are six and zero now, as you said, one of the undefeated teams. They've not played a good opponent outside of the Buffalo Bills, and uh, I can really get used to just being able to check out in the middle of the third quarter. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, man, me too. It's nice not only being able to check out in the middle of the third quarter, but I basically find myself just kind of waiting around for a pick six or a fumble recovery inside the opponent's 30 or a blocked punt or just something where the defense comes up big, sets the offense up for a quick score, and they get up by two touchdowns. You're like, well, the two-touchdown lead, no team can go back for that on the Patriots' schedule so far. So it's really nice. I'll take it. Uh, there have been way too many seasons, Rich, that I was just sweating through my recliner, came down to the last minute, nail brighters and heartbreakers left and right. Not good for the old ticker. So I guess – I'm due for a nice relaxing season, at least the first relax, relaxing start to the season because I don't get ahead of myself too much. Uh, some tough games on the slate, but up until now, one through six, not the toughest slate of opponents. Oh, no, that's very, very true. But I guess we can look around the league to look at the other teams that have had those nail biters. And there was no finish, I thought, that was more entertaining and more stressful than the Miami Dolphins' victory against the Washington, where Washington won 17-16. Huge win for Miami. Miami continues to be atop the leaderboard for the first overall pick. So at the end of this game, I don't know if all of y'all were watching this, the Dolphins, led by Ryan Fitzpatrick, mounted a furious comeback. They were down uh, 17-3, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in there, leads two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, the last one with about six seconds left on the clock. And then they go for two because Miami, under Brian Flores, they're going for the win here. They're going for the win so they can win 18-17. And then they just led the most disastrous two-point attempt I've ever seen. It was the same exact play that the Patriots utilized with Danny Amendola against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. Where you have that screen pass and you have the two wide receivers in front kind of just bulldozing away from him. And for the Dolphins, they just forgot to block anyone. (laughs) Kenyon <laughs> Drake was the guy that was trying to catch the ball. He just dropped it. It was just a comedy of errors. Dolphins lost. Alec, how happy are you to watch that game? It's funny. I don't know if you you are or were a South Park fan, but in, in one of the older seasons of South Park, the, the kids were all in a little league that they hated. And the parents all loved it because it was a great excuse for them to drink beer and eat pizza after the game was over. And Randy Marsh, more than anybody, was super into it. And the kids got really good at losing and the tournament because every team in the league hated to play baseball and the tournament became who could actually suck the worst and lose the and the, the best way and that was a plot of the game and that's exactly what i think of when i look at this dolphins team if you watch that game if you watch the highlights and you did not know not think no that was a deliberately botched play call 
to make sure that the Dolphins have the inside track on the one on the one pick overall. I don't know what you're watching. I've never seen anything like this before. Even when you tank in like the NBA, you at least put on like an effort to like pretend you're trying to win games. That was remarkable. Hat tip to Flores. Good for you, man. You've earned the one pick on that play alone. <laughs> well, I think what's important to note too is that they uh they still don't have the first pick. They're currently in the number two spot because the Cincinnati Bengals are also winless. They are 0 and six. The Dolphins had their bye, so they're 0 and five. And if you thought this game was fantastic, a week six game between two winless teams, the Dolphins play the Bengals in week sixteen. That could be the game to determine who gets that first overall pick. I could not be more excited, Alec. Uh, but enough about the bottom of the league. I think at the top <laughs> of the league, there were a lot of interesting games that took place, and none more impactful in the AFC than the Texans' 31-24 road victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. What were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, it's so funny, man, because the Texans were down 17-3 to in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs... Engineered one touchdown between then and the end of the game, allowed 31 on the Texans. The time of possession is just absurd how skewed it is in the Texans' favor. I think they had 200, maybe 192, almost 200 rushing yards on the ground, dominated the time of possession. Patrick Mahomes, for the third week in a row, didn't look great. It's like teams have kind of figured out the way to beat the Chiefs is just run the ball on their terrible, terrible defense, limit Mahomes' opportunities to throw the ball deep. And just make sure you're in it late with it, with a chance to to close the game out because the Texan, uh, the Chiefs defense probably isn't going to stop you. And it's funny how after the first kind of what four weeks where Mahomes was the next big thing and the runaway MVP, I'm not knocking the kid; it's not really his fault. But two straight losses, both home games, you got to be feeling really good about that one seed if you're a Patriots fan today. Yeah, absolutely. And there's currently, if you look at the playoff picture. There's no team within two games of the Patriots. Patriots 6-0. Next best teams are 4-2. and You know, the, the leaders of both the, or I guess of all the, the South, the West, and the North are all 4-2. And, and technically you have the Bills that are 4-1, and but New England holds that tiebreaker from the head-to-head, so that's effectively a two-game lead. So the Patriots are sitting pretty. They still have a few more weeks before they have to play anyone of real note. They play the Jets on Monday Night Football next week, and then they play the, the currently 2-4 and four Cleveland Browns the subsequent week. And then they got on a little bit of a stretch. They got the the Ravens, then they got the like the Cowboys, Eagles, Texans, Chiefs. They got a whole stretch right there that could be pretty difficult, but New England's in fantastic footing. And I think the best possible takeaway is that this Chiefs team is not invincible. And the Chiefs followed the blueprint that was laid out by the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots, which is play a lot of man coverage deep down the field. That way, Mahomes is not able to, uh, you know, take advantage of certain breakdowns in zone coverage and uh, make sure that he can't escape the pocket. Unfortunately for Mahomes, it's due to his ankle injury. But if, if you're opposing teams, you're not afraid of this Chiefs offensive line. They're terrible. And you're not afraid of any component of this Chiefs defense because they're all terrible. So you can maintain time of possession, you can run these long drives, further exhaust these defenses that'll really pay off in the the second half of the game or late in the first half, really take advantage of that clock game and force Mahomes to, you know, maybe not score every single drive, and a lot of teams will have a chance to win. So on that note, Rich, uh, I think anybody who's anybody would say that the Patriots and Chiefs through four weeks will say, 
or one and two in the league, however you wanted to rank it, Patriots over Chiefs, Chiefs over Patriots, those were your one, two seeds, and it wasn't even close. Um, a lot of folks are now arguing that gap's been closed significantly, both due to the Patriots maybe struggling on offense a bit, which we'll get to in a little while with the, the Giants game, and the Chiefs dropping two at home and their defense being such a liability. Um, do you still feel that the Chiefs are the second best team in the AFC, or have they been taken over by the maybe Texans or the Colts, or another, maybe the Bills even? What's your, what do you think in terms of the, the rest of the AFC in terms uh, for uh, for rankings. Yeah, what's tough is that the rest of the AFC is just so bad, so I don't know if there is an option outside of the Chiefs to be that number two team, other than the Texans, who clearly defeated them. They deserve that consideration. Uh, the way I view the league is that there are two outstanding teams in the Patriots and the 49ers, then a whole bunch of teams that could win on any given Sunday, and then you have three or four atrocious teams with Dolphins, Bengals, Washington, and uh, the Giants, I would say. Possibly you could throw the Falcons in there too, but I just don't understand that team. That's just weird. So when you, when you look at the teams outside of the Patriots in the AFC, if I were to give my, my top five uh, after the Patriots, so we're looking at kind of the playoff picture, uh, I might have to go with the, the Indianapolis Colts. In that, mm. that that five spot, because a they did defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. They have been going through a lot of adversity, having their quarterback retire, and they're still competing. Currently, they are tied slash losing the tiebreaker with the Oakland Raiders for that sixth seed. And I just don't have any faith in the Raiders. And I've you know on a neutral field, I would take the Colts over the Raiders, and I would not take the Colts over anyone else above them. So the Colts are my number five team behind New England. Interesting. I guess they've earned that, especially with their victory over the Chiefs. Good for Jacoby Brissett. I think a lot of team, a lot of people, uh, myself included, not going to lie, kind of wrote them off when Andrew Luck retired, more or less on the eve of the season starting. I figured Brissett wouldn't have time to go in and implement his system, but but I'll take that. I think that's good. Um, number four, I guess I'll go back and forth here. I'm going to give it to the Ravens right now based on record and how dangerous they are on the ground with Lamar Jackson. But I am still not sold on them. They got absolutely walloped by the Browns, who look terrible. Baker Mayfield has thrown at least one pick in every single game he's played this year. They are really inconsistent. They might be kind of a little boom-bust teams. They put up 40 points one week and concede 40 the next week. But if a team that inconsistent can slap you around in your own house, it's hard to be too into them. But their pedigree speaks for itself, and they do have that kind of we're not scared of New England aura still about them. So I think the Ravens are right above the Colts for me. Yeah, I agree with that. I have the Ravens right there. I think a lot of the perception around them is due to the fact that they absolutely demolished the Dolphins in week one. But after that, they've been a pretty mediocre team. They they beat a mediocre to bad Arizona Cardinals team by one score. They lost to the Chiefs. They got crushed by the Browns. They beat a hobbled, hobbled Pittsburgh Steelers team in overtime. And then they beat awful Cincinnati Bengals team by one score. So this is not a team that's blowing out bad teams. They are an average to below average defense. They are, you know, a above average offense. I, I don't see them uh, being able to, to beat any of the teams that I would have above them in the rankings. And so uh, going right above them in the rankings. So what would be my number three spot would be, you know, going number three spot as in, the two non-Patriots teams above them. My number three spot would be the the Buffalo Bills, 
who are four and one right now. They are extraordinarily fortunate with their uh, kicking luck because they could very well be a uh, you know two and three team right now. The Jets and the Titans both lost their games against the Bills because of missed kicks. Uh, but this is a really great defense. This is a great Buffalo defense. I would say that they could stop pretty much any offense in the league. They did a great job against the Patriots. And it all comes down to, can they get any consistency out of their offense? And I would say that they're kind of the inverse of this Baltimore Ravens team, where the Ravens are a little more consistent on offense, the Bills are a little more consistent on defense. But I will go with a team that plays great defense and put my money on Josh Allen making a few freak plays. Uh, over the over the Ravens being able to stop out the the Bills, but the gap is not large. But I would say that the Bills have my three spot. Isn't it interesting, Rich Hill, that a Bills team with a championship caliber defense that is shutting opponents out or keeping it very out, much out of the end zone, but the offense is a bit inconsistent, is being touted as make, be able to make a real run, while another AFC East team with a better defense and a better offense that is inconsistent is somehow the worst six and zero team of all time. <laughs> Always love the way the narrative shifts in that respect. We'll get to that in a minute, getting ahead of myself here. I think the Bills, I like the Bills, I like Bills fans. If the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl this year, I think I guess I'd, I'd love to see the Bills win it. I think they're really cool, and the city of Buffalo would just be a smoking hole in the ground if that ever happened. So, <laughs> so good for Buffalo. Uh, above them, man, I, I'm still going to give the Chiefs the number, number one spot there. I'm going to go Texans in number three, or number two, I guess, after the Patriots. I know they have the win over the Chiefs. I don't think they're as explosive as the Chiefs are. I don't think they're as consistent as the Chiefs have been in years past. I still don't trust the Texans in the postseason. That's not really fair of me to judge them this year based on years past. But if you're always playing for January and February, I can see the Texans getting upset at home. I can see them completely disappearing when it matters most. Uh, that Again, that may be just biased from, from years past. But uh, I think the Texans are still a slot below the Chiefs because they're just not as dangerously explosive as the Chiefs are. But the Texans actually might be a team that uh, I know I slept on a bit in in august in the preseason yeah no i agree i would say that the gap between the texans and chiefs is non-existent but i would agree i would say that if i were to have to put money on a team i would choose the chiefs because the the chiefs are an injured team you know they tyree kills first game back they lost chris jones sammy watkins wasn't available they're missing eric fisher their left tackle so all these pieces were missing i'd say that if they had to compete again with the team healthy I would say the Chiefs might win by a score or so, but it's also important to know that the Texans dropped a few touchdowns of their own. So very well-matched team. Uh, I just agree that I think that the, the Chiefs have a little bit more upside, but I will say that when talking about the next generation of great quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson needs to be at the top of that list. You know, I mean, he is phenomenal. He's been outstanding over the past couple of years. He is really just flourishing in Bill O'Brien's offense. So he and the Texans' future looks great if they're able to continue to to play at a high level. I think that they have the the, the potential to get the invitation to the Tom Brady Invitational um, at the AFC Championship game. But I still would agree with you. I go with the Kansas City Chiefs, number one. 
because of all the reasons I said, I think the Chiefs have more upside, I think, once Mahomes gets healthy, once everyone else on the roster gets healthy, they can go toe-to-toe with any team just because they can score at any point in time, but their defense is really going to be the end of them. They, they really just have to hope that they'll be able to outscore any team they face, and uh, that brings us to the Patriots. I, I don't see any team being able to just blow off the, the roof on this Patriots defense because another week, another dollar, Patriots absolutely crushed the New York Giants, 35-14. Game wasn't that close. Alec, Patriots defense looking great for another week in a row. What are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like we're basically we could we could do like a Mad Libs at this point in our podcast. We'll just put about just kind of pick a name of a team and we'll talk about the defense being great and the offense not as great as we'd like, but getting it done late and putting up 30 plus points and wash, rinse, repeat at this point. It's amazing to see. You have to take it with a grain of salt because they played a bunch of crappy teams. But as I said, probably every week since the start of the season. You make crappy teams look crappy, and that's exactly what the Patriots have done defensively. Uh, the one area where I've always been concerned is the big play. Guys are getting open deep. Another 60-plus yard play for Golden Tate. Uh, it was a good play. It was a good throw. It was good coverage. That happens in the NFL, but I have seen pretty much every week uh, a guy gotten behind the defense. Secondary isn't quite fast enough to get there on the speed with Devin McCourty or Deron Harmon in the safety position. And maybe they've been overthrown or they've dropped it or underthrown or whatever the case may be. But guys are getting open deep. And a very explosive big play team like the Chiefs could feast on that. Am I legitimate in my concern, Rich, or am I kind of nitpicking here? Oh, uh, I mean, we're absolutely picking nits at any point when criticizing this defense. But I agree with you. I mean, that's kind of the give and take when it comes to the style of defense that the Patriots are playing when they're playing this tight man coverage. That's the that's the expectation is that there will be opportunities deep down the field if the receiver is able to shake the defender or if the they miss if the defender misplays the ball, then there isn't really going to be that next line of defense. So they're playing slash challenging opposing teams to make those throws and maybe we'll see a little bit of a different strategy when they're playing better offenses uh, maybe we'll start seeing it this upcoming week against the new york jets with sam darnold i still don't know if i believe that one fully uh but i think when you're looking at this new york giants offense with daniel jones they were challenging him to throw the ball they did they were not afraid of the giants running game and they wanted daniel jones to make mistakes down the field because they knew they could take advantage they knew they could capitalize and sure golden tate scored on a 64 yard play but there was literally nothing else the Giants offense was able to do for the rest of the game. You remove that 64-yard play, or I should say outside of that 64-yard play, Daniel Jones did not crack 100 yards to all the other passes that he made. So, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely nitpicking here, but it is a cause for, you know, a little bit of reflection when they get to that strength of the season when they're playing against the guys like Lamar Jackson or Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. We can throw Baker Mayfield in there too, but I don't see uh, he hasn't been playing well this year. So it could come back to bite the Patriots at some point in time. So I don't think you're unfounded. 
Now, it's funny, though. I guess the good news about that is, you know, you go back and watch game film and game tape of your opponent, and you scout them for the first X number of weeks of the season leading up to the game when you play them. And as you just mentioned, I think they're going to kind of shift their defensive philosophy a bit when they get to the teams with legitimate passing and receiving threats. So once they get to that meat of their schedule, the varsity schedule, as, as you've been saying, uh, I'm not sure how much opposing defensive coordinators can really take away or offensive coordinators, excuse me, can really take away from how the defense is playing um, because – It'll be very different, and maybe they'll do a lot more zone. They can do more man-zone combination, a lot of secondary to get the coverage sacks. Uh, should be interesting. And the good news about it is that, man, once the Patriots get up two scores, be it via a pick six or a fumble recovery or a blocked punt or just go to offensive drives, the game's pretty much over. Even though the offense is struggling a little bit right now, and I think it's because of the injuries, a lot of it, but the offense isn't great. I don't want to sit here and try and put rose-colored glasses on it and say only because, you know, Philip Dorsett's hurt and Josh Gordon's knee's injured and they only had three guys and they had to do the same. But that, that's, that's fine. It's all well and good, but you can't put a shine on a turd and the, the offense of the Patriots isn't, isn't great right now. So it's pretty solid they have that defensive cushion because once they get up two scores, the game's kind of over. But that said, should we be worried about this offense or are we just kind of buying into the hype of they'll always figure it out. They'll always turn around and come December, they'll be firing all cylinders. Uh, I, I, I don't see why you can't say a little bit of both here where I am absolutely concerned about the current state of the Patriots offense. And by that, I mean the fact that three out of their past four weeks, they've been not good. Uh, Jets against the Jets against the Giants. This offense has been very mediocre against the Bills. They were outright bad. They look good against Washington, but three out of the past four games, they've looked average or worse. So when you're looking at and evaluating this offense, absolutely, this is not a good uh, good offense from like the level that we're used to with the Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady offense. So unless things change, of course we should be concerned. That said... I think there's cause to believe that things will absolutely change because, uh, as you said, a lot of this is due to injury. They're really missing Isaiah Wynn at left tackle. I think that the additional growth of Ted Karras at center will help solidify that offensive line. We're already seeing a little bit more consistency out of the run game, which is enormous and huge and will really take a lot of the pressure off of Tom Brady, who has been getting sacked a lot more over the past two weeks than he was over the first four weeks of the season. And then, you know, you'll get Nikhil Harry back. Hopefully Josh Gordon will get healthy. Edelman is still recovering from his chest injury. There are a lot of, you know, Rex Burkhead in his foot. There are a lot of moving pieces. They've lost two fullbacks so far. They've been cycling in and out of their tight ends as, you know, Lacoste has been healthy and injured and healthy and injured. So the more time the Patriots have, fingers crossed, the healthier they'll be. The, the cavalry is on the way, but... Unless things change, there is cause for concern, but there's reason to believe that things will change. Rich, speaking of the cavalry being on its way, uh, the Patriots are going to bring Ben Watson back. All reports seem to point to that. They haven't officially announced it yet, but as of this podcast at least, but he should be coming back. Not the greatest blocker, but has rapport with Tom Brady, knows the system. Would you include him as a member of the cavalry or he's going to add a bonus? Oh, I would absolutely incorporate him into the cavalry. Uh, the Patriots need more production out of their tight ends. It's something that they've sorely missed this year, even though Ryan Izzo has been contributing a little bit as a receiver. He's been uh, emerging a little bit as a target as of late, which is nice to see. 
But as a, as a young player, it'll be really good for him to be able to learn under Ben Watts and get that time or uh, give the Patriots a little bit more flexibility in their passing game so Ryan Izzo isn't facing the top opposing coverage player because he's not that great. You know, he's a solid player. He's a good number two, great number three, but utilizing him as a number one, less so. Ben Watson has that experience playing against those number ones. That is invaluable. So absolutely, Ben Watson should be considered Calvary on the way. It remains to be seen how long it will take for him to get re or fully integrated into the offense because he was suspended for the first four games of the year. So uh, no, Nikhil Harry potentially returning to practice this week. Ben Watson potentially returning to practice this week. Moves are happening. Josh Gordon's knee injury that he suffered against the Giants doesn't appear to be super major, but as players continue to grow, this offense should improve. It should indeed. And it's nice they have an extra day of rest coming up against the Jets, who are a surprising victor over the Cowboys. Uh, we'll break that down later on in the week, though. Uh, anything to talk about about the the Giants game, Rich? Again, I feel like we're just kind of biding our time until the playoffs at this point. But anything you want to touch on that we didn't we didn't highlight here? Nope, I don't think so. I think that the Patriots are thrilled to be 6-0. and They got off of that tough week. It's never easy to, to win on a short week, especially on that Thursday night football. So good for them. Tom Brady got the game ball for passing Peyton Manning, second all-time in passing yards in the regular season. Brady's already number one all-time if you include postseason. So Patriots got to be thrilled. Mini bye week here. Then uh, they get that primetime game against the Jets, and then they're into the real meat of their schedule. We'll take talk about it later this week. I'm good to go. Alec, do you have any final thoughts? Nope, we're good to go, man. Let's we're on to the other team in New York, or their team in New Jersey, I should say. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, bud. Later, man.